Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hey, it's Monique. Welcome back to the podcast or welcome if this is your first time listening. This is the Brown Vegan Podcast, episode 122. And with this podcast, I love to share veganism from a practical perspective to help everyday people go vegan in a way that feels good to them. I also love to explore wellness topics, vegan entrepreneurship, and just how to live your best life. This is truly a lifestyle podcast. So thank you so much for tuning in. You can find out more about what I do and how I do it at brownvegan.com. And also don't forget to come hang out with me on Instagram. I'm at brownvegan over there. So today's episode is going to be a little different from how we typically do this. Usually I have someone on the show who identifies as just vegan. That's it. They're just like strictly vegan. No other, <laughs> no if, ands, or buts about it. But like I told you guys, I'm going to make some shifts in this new year because I really want to help as many people as I can to make the transition who have been thinking about going vegan, but they're not exactly sure what this will look like for them. I have Brianna on the show, also known as Plant Based Brie, and she is a food blogger, PhD candidate, sociologist, and foodie. She just absolutely loves food. And Brianna identifies as being plant based. So there's times that she is not eating a 100% vegan lifestyle. However, she has a huge emphasis of making sure that she eats as many plants as possible. And I think for the average person, Brianna's approach is what will work for their lives because there's so many people I talk to, y'all just have no idea how often people say to me, I don't think I can ever be a vegan per se, but maybe I can be plant-based. And so in my opinion, I feel like it's important just to do whatever works best for you in your situation and make some type of attempt to eat more plants, make some type of attempt to just do better overall than doing nothing at all. And so that's why I wanted Brianna to come on the show to share her experiences in hopes that it inspires other people to at least make an attempt because it doesn't have to be all or nothing. I'd rather you do something than nothing always, you know? So in this conversation, of course, we're going to talk about the difference between vegan and plant-based, why Brianna prefers to identify herself as plant-based, her experience with diet culture, anti-diet culture, really, body image, recipe development, and food photography, because she is a food blogger. Her pictures and her recipes are incredible. I actually had her lasagna soup a couple of weeks ago. It was really good. We enjoyed it as a family. Also, the final topic we go, we talk about is why Brianna prefers to build her passion on her blog and not as much on Instagram these days and just the importance of ownership in the black wellness space. So that was a very, very good conversation. This conversation overall is really good. So I'm excited for you guys to listen. As always, you can get all of the show notes and everything we mentioned in this episode at brownvegan.com. And without further ado, let's go ahead and jump right into the conversation with Plant Based Brie. Make sure you follow her on Instagram. She is Plant Based Brie over there. So why did I decide to go plant-based? <laughs> it's funny. So 2013, I was taking a sustainability course. I'm an undergrad. I was a public health major. So we made us take a lot of like planning classes, public policy classes, and also sustainability classes. And the professor made us watch Food Inc. to kind of introduce us to the food 
the food industrial system, you know, mass agriculture, things like that, and talk about, you know, and question whether it's a sustainable practice or not, more so centered around, you know, the emissions issues, the animal cruelty issues, just the meat the meat market in general. And it was really eye-opening to me. I had never even considered like, oh, where does the chicken come from? Or where does the cow come from? And it's so funny because in my family, there's a running joke. Um, I hope this isn't too inappropriate, but in my family, we have this running joke that I have larger breasts because I only eat chicken. Because it, it really is one of those things where not everyone in my family is shaped like me. But growing up, like all throughout my childhood, I would only eat chicken. So it was like a running joke that like the hormones in the chicken like went into my body and like gave me better assets, quote unquote. And, you know, I still, even with that joke, I never thought about like, wait a minute, we put like hormones in our food and then those hormones go into us. So I watched Food Inc. And I was just like, wow, like this is, this is, this is too much for me. And I'm one of those people, once I, once I know better, I feel conflicted to do better. So I literally stopped eating meat at that point. So I guess for a little bit of context though, I was already not eating pork and red meat. I stopped eating pork around 2011 and stopped eating red meat shortly after. So essentially after watching the Food Inc. documentary, I just stopped eating chicken and turkey just literally like after that class, like I went to the dining hall and I had a salad. I was like, never again. (laughs) Since then, I've never had chicken or turkey or beef or pork. Mm -hmm. So the reason I I, pose a question, usually when people come on a podcast, I'll say, why are you a vegan? But I know that there's a distinction, of course, because you, when you started your journey, you identified yourself as a vegan, but these days you put yourself in a plant-based category. So let's talk, let's talk about that. Like, why did you decide to make that shift? Okay, definitely. So uh, because my introduction to veganism was more so geared towards sustainability, it's kind of understanding like what the meat industry does to, to the planet. I was like, all right, so I am, I identify as African-American and I just know that like cultural foods are really, you know, heavy on meat, like, or also just in general, like every celebration there's food. I don't think there's ever been a celebration that I've gone to uh, where there's not food, particularly some type of meat. So I'm just so accustomed to that. I was just like, all right, well, I don't want to shame people in my family. Like nobody in my family is not giving up meat. I I have no problem cooking meat for my partner because at the time I was in a relationship and my partner was eating meat. So I was like, I'm, I feel like be calling myself a vegan is a little bit hypocritical only because I genuinely am more about like the sustainability and making sure people eat more vegetables and trying to like make their diet more centered around plants than kind of like focusing on the removal or the lack of, you know, food that you can't have. I, for me, it was, it was totally mental. The reason I decided to do that. And then later on, now that I've been plant-based for some time, I've been noticing stark differences in the way that people approach veganism and in the way that, and in the way that people approach being plant-based. And um, I'm much more resonate with people who are kind of more flexible or more compassionate in their food choices when they decide to identify as plant-based. Mm-hmm. And another thing I was thinking about, too, is because something that I didn't realize about you, Brie, and I know I feel like I'm calling you Brie, like we cool, but I know you plant-based Brie. No, so. it's fine. No, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> people call me Brie all the time. Okay, cool, cool. Because I'm just like, I just love it. One of the things I didn't realize about you, because I think we initially connected on Twitter. 
I didn't realize that you had in your past an eating disorder. And it actually makes more sense that you would resonate with the plant-based side opposed to the veganism because of that. So did you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, definitely. I was actually like going to plug that. Then I was like, I don't know if I should plug it right here. You should, no. girl. <laughs> Essentially, so yes, I have issues in the past. I've really struggled with restrictive eating. I used to be one of those people that would like count all their meals, their calories, weigh all their food, like literally became obsessed with like what I was consuming. I mean, it's very, very easy for me to fall back into those habits. I work through therapy to kind of like reframe my thoughts when it comes to the way that I approach food and the way that I look at food. And it's just much, it's much better for me, the way that I'm wired and my personality set up for me to look at things in abundance. And I Mm -hmm. think it is just so easier for me to make that mental connection of if I'm plant-based, I'm saying that I have an abundance of options of what I want to eat because I'm centering all of my meals around plants. It's more so focusing on the, I cannot have this. I cannot have this. If, you know, I'm around family and everyone is eating crabs and I'm from Maryland and I'm not letting myself eat crabs because of an identity that I, that I chose rather than feeling good in the moment. Because again, I'm very communal about food. I think food is something that is more than just what you put into your body. So I just realized that those rigid ways of thinking were impacting my mental health. And in order for me to not fall back into those kind of restrictive eating habits or really kind of obsessing about what I ate, it was just you know better for me to kind of look at and adopting a plant-based mindset. Mm-hmm. And you got me thinking about how people who have eating disorders typically love a vegan lifestyle because it's so restrictive in, in so many ways. So I can see why identifying as plant-based would be more in tune to how you want to live your life long term. So that makes a lot of sense to me. Definitely, definitely. So Brianna, like, how does that look then? So like, as far as, okay, I know you said if your family's eating crabs, you'll probably eat the crabs with them. Does that still apply to like Thanksgiving and things like that as well? Like, how does that look as far as your day-to-day life, I guess? Because I feel like overall, you probably eat mostly plants. It's mostly, you know, lentils and things like that and fruits and vegetables. But socially, is it a little different? Is that the difference? Yeah, so, okay. It's actually funny because it's more of the reverse. So socially, because again, I'm all about making people eat more plants or just introducing them to different plants, introducing them to different ways that vegetables are cooked. So nine times out of 10, if I have the option to pick the restaurant, we're going somewhere plant-based. If I have the option to choose the dishes that I'm making for Thanksgiving or for for like, you know, any type of holiday where we get together, I'm making everything plant-based just because I really want to like introduce different ways of eating to the people that I care about. And also because I genuinely enjoy cooking. And again, it's so communal for me. It feels really good to know that like I'm feeding people that I care about things that are like really nourishing for them. Mm-hmm. I typically have my, my moments when I'm, you know, indulging in fish and that's really the only kind of thing really is, or, or eggs. I find that that I have those meals actually on my own time. So it's like, oh, I watched the cooking show today and they made this fish and it looked so decadent. I have to cook the fish. Like I'm such a, I'm so connected to food in like a a passion, creative type of way. If I see something and I I see a dish and I want to recreate it, that's typically when I reach for things that aren't plant-based. I do have an an allergy to dairy. Yeah. yeah. So like it kind of, I, in, in one capacity, 
fish and eggs are typically my only other option because I, I, you know, I, I have like an EpiPen for, for cheese. So yeah, but those are typically the reasons that I reach for them. It's really just out of like a flair for cooking that, that, that sparked in me and was like, I want to make this dish. Mm-hmm. You come from a, like a family of chefs though, right? Yes, I do. Wow. That's a great question. So my, my grandma, both my grandmas. Okay. I say that. Unfortunately, I never met my paternal grandmother. She passed before I was born. So I I have a relationship with my great grandma on my paternal side. And she literally the earliest, you know, when people are like, what's the oldest memory you can think of? The oldest memory I can think of is us. So my dad's from Detroit. So we would drive from Baltimore to Detroit really early in the morning. And we would do it so that I could get there, like almost like at the we would leave like in the middle of the night, essentially. And we would get there really early in the morning just so that I could make biscuits with my grandma. And I just never, like, I vividly remember that. And I had to be young. Like, I had to be maybe like four or five. And I'm just, I just vividly remember like always making biscuits with my grandma. And then my maternal grandmother, she was a cook. Uh, she worked in the food service industry. She worked in a lot of kitchens most of her life. So, and she was the, the residential cook in the family, like any holidays, Thanksgiving, Christmas the fourth, all that stuff, we would have it at her house because she was the cook. My aunt's cook, my mom, my mom cooks when she, when she feels like the, the spark to cook. Um, but yeah, no, definitely cooking is definitely like a family thing for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that could tell just through the way that you present your food and just like the relationship with it. Right, how's your style though, Brie? Is it like more of your cooking based on scent or do you usually write a lot of things out like on your I know that you share a lot of recipes, but typically, how do you cook? Is it just kind of playing with the flavors, playing with the textures? Yes, it's really like I get in the kitchen and I just create. And it's so, and I feel like that's why I'm always polling people on Instagram, on Twitter, because I really want them to understand that the recipe development component of my brand requires, it, it stretches me. I'll be 100% honest, it stretches me because I am not comfortable sticking to a measurement. Because I really, really, really implore people cooking their way around the kitchen. I don't think that there's another way to cook besides using your own palate, especially if you're making the food for yourself. It gives you an opportunity to also like just kind of build your repertoire in terms of like what you're familiar with cooking and what flavors you're used to cooking with. And I also get like, again, I'm I'm immersed by food. I watch Food Network all the time. I'm always watching food on YouTube. So I just get a lot of inspiration. And that really lends me in, in the kitchen. So I'm definitely more of a taste my way around versus like write, you know, a cup of this, a tablespoon of this. Like I really just shake until someone in my head says stop. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love that. That's good. So let's talk about, I, I kind of want to go back a little bit, I guess, on, we were talking about anti-diet and well, have we, we didn't get into anti-diet. No, we didn't, not really. Okay, not really. Okay, so you did a blog post a little while ago and you... <laughs> You okay? First of all, Instagram, you were like going in, right? But then oh. when I read the blog post, I was like, okay, yeah, I see, I see your perspective. Let's talk about anti diet, the culture of anti diet, especially when it comes to plant based and vegan communities. Like, well, tell us about first of all, tell us why you decided to write that blog post and just any information you want to share about that. Yeah, okay. So I only really be writing blog posts when something is just moving so much in my spirit. I feel <laughs> like, all right, I have to get this out. Mm-hmm. I mean, because I'm the, I would I would prefer to make a you know a 15 second video on Instagram stories and leave it at that, but it's twofold. Okay, so I typically have a, a very hard time on Instagram dealing with people who don't know the stin- distinction between being vegan 
and being plant-based. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people who live what I would say a vegan diet, meaning they, they, they on their plate, they're vegan, but they may like participate in things outside of their life, whether it be the clothes that they wear, the brands that they use aren't necessarily vegan. So a lot of people are, you know, diet, like have a vegan diet and I think that's fine. But what people don't understand, typically don't understand about being plant-based is plant-based is, in my opinion, more of a, a lifestyle approach. Like I really try hard, even when I don't want to, to eat something that's alive. It's, it's really a mindset that has like really spilled over to every avenue of my life. And I feel as though because I care so much about it, it really bothers me when people say that I'm not plant-based because I'm an intuitive eater. And when I want to eat fish, I eat fish. And when I want to eat eggs, I eat eggs. It really gets under my skin. And I think for me, and that's, I'm so glad we have the opportunity to chat because I've actually never talking, talk, spoken to anyone about this, but I am so sensitive about my shit. And I say that because I care so much about food. So mm-hmm. I'm one of those personality types where pe- when people are, are placing judgment on me and they do not know me, it, it takes me to a different level. So typically when I'm in my Instagram stories, writing paragraphs, trying to explain to people what my, what my purpose is on the internet, it's really because I have been confronted so much with the whiteness of veganism in my day-to-day life. And with me being a sociologist and someone who studies race and studies racism, it's just so white to me. It's entrenched in whiteness. And I feel as though when people typically that do not look like me come into my Instagram and criticize what I eat and why I eat what I eat, it's just, again, another like very hard thing for me to deal with. But essentially, I try to explain to people that plant-based from when I was introduced to it, and I believe her name is Sharon Palmer, but she's a dietitian. She wrote a book about plant-based diets and how you center your meals around plants. It doesn't mean that you take anything out of your diet. It means that you look to incorporate more plants on your plate. And I resonated that with that so much. That's where I decided to go. So now, because vegan is very popular, again, I've been doing this since 2013. Mm-hmm. So it's I, I've noticed this tick of kind of like harsh judgment or harsh criticism. I honestly mm-hmm. want to say within the last three years, yes. I will be honest. And that has not been my experience, you know, on the internet. I started my blog two years ago, but in my, I have, I have another blog that's kind of housed in plant-based free that I started almost seven years ago. So I've really been like in the internet interweb space. And I feel as though this criticism and this judgment is very new and I do not like it. Yes. Yes. But you know what's it's wild about it? The thing that bothers me the most about the criticism is the fact that it takes away from people even trying at all. Like people won't even try at all because they feel like anything they do isn't good enough. And yes. you have to really just get out of that place. I used to have feel feel like that myself. It wasn't even necessarily about food, but just in general. Like it was never vegan enough for the vegan community, anything I did. And I just got to the point where I was just like, you know what? I don't give a shit what you think. I'm just going to do what I want to do. And I feel so free <laughs> now mm-hmm. that I approach things that way. And that's why I wanted to have this conversation with you because I think it's important for people to see different sides of this. It's not a one side fits all type of lifestyle. It's whatever you want it to be based on your needs. And so I'm glad that you're sharing all of that. Yes. No, honestly, like I, that's what I love also about a plant-based lifestyle because you can't mess it up. There is no messing <laughs> it up. It's every day you wake up and you decide I'm going to try to eat plants as much as I can today. I mean, every day doesn't look great to me. I'm, I'm human. And I'm, again, I'm a PhD student. So spending time in my kitchen is not always an option, 
But every day I'll say, oh, I didn't eat enough plants today. Tomorrow's another day to try again. It's mm-hmm. never anything with judge judgment or guilt or shame. And I feel like I used to really have those emotions when I was trying to like live by this vegan lifestyle. It just did not work well with how I like try to be my life. So I completely agree with that. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about like as far as body image, because I know that you did a blog post a while ago, too, about this, about how you have been. I mean, we're getting closer to the new year. And like I was telling you when we first got on, I'm like decluttering, getting ready, clearing up things. And you said one of your resolutions was always to lose weight. Even when you were in like middle school and like high school, you felt like that. So yeah. how, how has life been different as far as since you've made some shifts as far as eating more plant-based opposed to feeling like you have to be vegan and just anything else you want to share about that? Honestly, I have been, that, that has been my 2020 thing, okay? So just to give a little bit of context, in 2019, I went through a really bad breakup. And the only way to kind of like get myself through that was to shift my mind. And I really found a strong connection with the gym. Prior to that, prior to the breakup, I was already in the gym, right? But I never really stepped on the scale. I would just like make sure I work out five times a week. It is what it is. Again, as someone who has struggled with disordered eating habits and kind of like body dysmorphia and things like that. 2019, I lost a significant amount of weight, but I was like, it was, and people would be like, oh my God, you look so good. Or, oh my God, like you look great. But like, I was going through so much shit. It was probably like the worst I've been from mental health perspective in a very long time. And this year I was trying to, I'm in therapy and really trying to work through that. And something just dawned on me to kind of like, think about what that means when, when I, the way that I would respond to, oh, like people say you look great. Like, are you, were you working out for outside validation because of what was going on in your personal life? And long story, long story short, I told my therapist, like, yes, that's exactly what it was. I mean, funny enough, I was listening to a podcast and they always talk about, you know, health at every size. They're very body positive or kind of more all inclusive dietitians. And they were really like, oh, you should definitely like interrogate your relationship with the way that you talk about food. Like when your family members greet you and the first thing that they comment about is the way that you look. I try to think about like what that means and how that's also like connected to diet culture that's all around us. And I was like, wow, like I didn't even think about this. Like, let me sit down. So I I was journaling and just really like thinking about my relationship with food, my relationship with diet culture, my relationship with my weight. And I realized that literally... It's like every time I talk about it, I'm just like, wow, this is really crazy to say out loud. But probably since like, I want to say seventh grade, I had lose X amount of weight as a New Year's resolution. Mm -hmm. Like from that year until like 2020, because this year I had like lose X pounds, like again. But it's just like, I thought about it every year of my life. I've tried, I've felt like I needed to lose weight, even when I was thin and getting thinner and getting compliments about how I look. Even when I was gaining weight, but actually in a really good place mentally, I still, every year I felt like I had to lose weight. Like what is going on? So yeah, it was like a really like eye-opening moment for me. And it really just caused me to kind of like interrogate the relationship that I had with food and with diet culture. And I just realized like that I'm not going to be on a diet ever again. I did intuitive eating, which I will say in the beginning really helped me understand my hunger pains because I'm someone who really eats out of boredom. So I will say intuitive eating helped with that at first, but then I still noticed that like, oh, like this is almost like very close to disordered eating habits. 
Like, I need to stop this. So again, I feel like a plant-based lifestyle is also very supportive in me not wanting to have, to think about food connected to diet culture, to weight loss. It's really like I can eat whatever I want to eat, especially if they're plants. And that just Mm -hmm. feels really good to me. It's all about making the plants the center of the meal. I love that. Exactly. Yeah. Hey, it's Monique hopping in to thank Forger Project for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Forger is a family-owned and operated company that crafts 100% organic and dairy-free yogurts, kefirs, milks, a buttery spread, and sour cream using one of my favorite plant-based bases, cashews. I love when dairy-free products use cashews as a base because it makes the texture creamy and delicious. For their products, the Forger motto is simple. Always organic, always plant-based, just let food be. And the quality of their products really do shine through for this belief. As a family, we really enjoy their cashew milk yogurt. The blueberry is actually my favorite. I like to keep the yogurts on hand for snacks and to eat with breakfast. Speaking of breakfast, I also enjoy their drinkable probiotic cashew milk yogurt. I usually get it in the strawberry and I drink it in the mornings for those times when I don't feel like making a smoothie or I'm not that hungry, but I know that I need to put something on my stomach. Since you are listening to this podcast, and I just really appreciate you for that, Forger was generous enough to send over a link to get a free product from them. All you have to do is go to forgerproject.com slash cultivate health, enter your email for your free yogurt, and they'll send that coupon right over to you. Once again, that is forgerproject.com slash cultivate health. Because I know that you're probably listening to this podcast while working out, driving, cooking dinner, or doing something else. I'm going to also put the link for the free yogurt at brownvegan.com under episode 122 so that you can just click right through to get your yogurt. Once again, thank you to Forger for sponsoring this episode of the show and be sure to tag me on Instagram when you receive your yogurt. Yeah, and I know for the food is like so popular for you. I feel like it's because you have such a, a strenuous program that you're in. You have so much work to do. I think that I feel like the food is like such a major outlet for you. I remember when I first we were first came across each other. I remember thinking, how the hell does she have time to come up with these recipes, type all of this up, take these beautiful pictures, and she is so busy. <laughs> so, like, how does that look for you as far as your process? Do you typically put something out once a week? Like, what? How does that look so far? for you? Oh, I feel like you were on the fly on the wall in my last therapy session because me being busy is what I am moving away from in 2021. It's, that's a really great question. And I'll be 100% honest. There is no method to my madness. I think because everything about me is so like passion driven and there's a good and a bad to this. I'll explain. So the passion driven is I can have a to-do list, right? And it can be everything related to school and nothing related to being in the kitchen. But if I wake up one morning and I want to eat like a bowl of beans, or if I want to make like tacos, the to-do list is going out of the window until I spend the time in the kitchen. Um, (laughs) So so much of what I do is really like spur of the moment when I feel led to cook. But I think that's why also it, it looks good. It tastes good. It's because I, it's really kind of like a frequency thing for me. Like I'm in my home frequency when I'm in the kitchen and spending time in the kitchen is just such a special time for me. So that's, really how all this started. Even like when I was taking pictures when I was living in California and I was like, my schedule was even more crazy. I still like would clear my to-do list just to cook. That's why 
plant-based brie is always going to be community driven before it's anything else, because it's really something that like I know is a passion project for me. I don't do it for money. I don't do it to work with brands. I don't do it to get free things. I mean, all that stuff is a plus and I'm grateful for it because I do work very hard. But at the end of the day, it's always going to be community centered because it's really just so energetic for me. Yeah, I can feel I feel like it's like a part of your therapy session. You go to sit with your therapist physically and then you have your therapy sessions in the kitchen. So exactly. Like, yeah. So, OK, what about as far as your process with taking pictures? Do you typically use natural light or what are you doing? Because oh, I feel like your question. pictures are very beautiful, but very simple. Like I always can tell your style. I don't even have to see your name. I can just tell it's you. <laughs> so <laughs> well, that's yeah. I appreciate that. No, honestly, it's exactly that. I have I live in New York in a one bedroom apartment. So there's not a lot of space going on in here. So I really just turned the corner of my kitchen where I have windows. So I use natural light into like a little photo space area. I do use light deflectors, but I don't use any artificial light, which makes being a food blogger, you know, in the winter time when it gets dark at three o'clock, a little bit difficult. But no, I do try to shoot everything in natural light. And if I do have to use artificial light, I use something like Lightroom use something like Photoshop to kind of like try to edit the picture and give it less like of a fluorescent or, or yellow, like light. Yeah, no, that's basically my setup is very small. I get photo backdrops from Etsy. There's a lot of like women owned brands over there that are really dope. I mean, I just kind of just shoot. I typically shoot on my iPhone. Sometimes I use my, uh, my Sony camera for bigger projects or for things that I'm like doing a lot of, a lot of cooking, but the quick day-to-day photos are just shot on my iPhone. And I keep it moving. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I know another thing we talked about before is just like, not in this conversation, but before we actually recorded this, we talked about being just a black woman in a wellness space when it comes to working with brands. And I know that plant-based brie, I feel like I can't say that at all at one time. No, it's, it's I trip up too. <laughs> it is a passion project, but you also do work with brands. And I know at one point, Yo, Brie, you were really going in. You were just like, I'm just going to take all my stuff off Instagram. I'm just going, I'm tired of this algorithm. I'm just going to have people come to my website. That's it. I'm not doing all of this. I'm not going to do the reels. I'm not doing anything. So what happened? Like what made you decide at that? <laughs> well, I know I kind of feel like I know what happened. The algorithm playing games on you, playing tricks with you. <laughs> but like, tell us about that. Like, why do you decided that you want to do most of your, your work off of the social media platforms? Okay. So I have had the privilege of being introduced to some pretty phenomenal women in the blogging space, both food and just kind of writing, a lot of writers. I have grown my internet community a lot over the last five years. And all of those women in those spaces are really forward about ownership and and intellectual property on the internet. And, you know, as a food blogger, I didn't really think you know, it was that serious. Like, oh, I take pictures. I put them on Instagram. Like, it is what it is. Like, but I realized that as we continue to see how much of social media is definitely a business, that it's really important, particularly for Black women in the wellness space, to kind of own their own domain, to kind of own one place where they can kind of like drive traffic, really develop, you know, an email list, things of that nature. Because what happens when we, because to be honest, Instagram is my largest platform. Instagram has more followers and I have more users on my, on my email list, which is unfortunate, but I think that's kind of what happens when you have like viral moments on a certain app, like your following just grows in one particular place. 
And don't get me wrong, I'm grateful for that. But I will say that Facebook, who owns Instagram, typically tends to be one of the more, I don't even know if I can say more because they're all very much entrenched in like capitalistic models. But Facebook, nonetheless, is shown that they are here to make a profit. Mm-hmm. And with that, if you are making a profit, and this is, I'm glad you asked this because this is something that I think people that aren't necessarily in this space don't know, but they have Instagrams and Facebook. So it's kind of important for them to know how it works, right? When you, when you see your favorite blogger, a person on Instagram having a, 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 a paid collaboration post, what that means is that that brand reached out to that blogger, that writer, that influencer directly. And because of that, the, the company doesn't have to give Instagram or Facebook any of the profit, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's a one-to-one interaction between, you know, plant-based brand and the brand. Well, as we're beginning to see collaborations grow and, and brands kind of like understanding how this works, Instagram feels as though they need to make some type of money from this partnership. Absolutely. So that's when promotions were inter- introduced, right? So now you have the option to pay Instagram or specifically Facebook to promote your posts. And what that means is that they'll increase your reach and, and increase the views. That doesn't necessarily mean that they'll show it to people who will like or engage with your work, but they are just promising to get more eyes on your work. And mm-hmm. they do that because they have control over the algorithm. And that is my issue because as someone, again, who I, I study sociology, particularly race and racism, I know that algorithms are racist. And it really drives me insane when I see so many phenomenal Black women working very hard, building their platforms, not buying their followers really putting in the work and being consistent and they cannot beat the algorithm because of a multitude of factors, but typically because one, they're not going to pay Instagram to increase their reach and two, the algorithms already have a negative bias towards them. Mm-hmm. So for you, it's about putting all of your content on your platform. So your new email list, your blog site, but I think we kind of disagree a little bit though, Brie on putting everything because you don't you don't believe in putting necessarily putting a recipe on your Instagram feed anymore right yes okay I stopped doing that and again okay, let's I've, talk about it <laughs> I've gotten I've gotten some pushback but again I'm so glad I you bet you have this, because this is my first opportunity to really speak on this too okay uh-huh. the reason I'm doing that is because I want everyone in my community to be smarter consumers if you haven't seen it, I'm not going to like get on my soapbox, but if you haven't seen it and you have a Netflix account, please watch The Social Dilemma and then you'll understand what I'm speaking about. But essentially, so many people, because I started off as a blogger in the blog era, like I had a blogger.com. Like I am very much into reading what people <laughs> write on the internet, yeah. right? Uh-huh. That is a lost art because so many people now are used to getting work from their favorite people on the internet on one feed. And it's gotten to that point where people no longer go out of this one feed to get their online engagement. And I'm really so for people who write. And that's why I'm trying to kind of create that habit in my community where we go beyond Instagram and beyond Twitter feeds to really interact with the people that we care about on the internet on their own platforms. Mm -hmm. And that's why typically I stop posting recipes on my actual Instagram feed. The most I will do now is post my ingredients list. And then I'll encourage everyone to go to my blog, see the full post and kind of get the step by step and like why I decided to cook this meal. Mm -hmm. I stopped giving all of my information to Instagram because I really felt as though I, I just vividly remember when the algorithm shifted so much 
And I was just blown away. I would, again, numbers aren't everything, but numbers matter when you are really trying to like gauge where you are and kind of like really build a portfolio to say that you're a reputable, a reputable wellness brand. And I remember I was averaging like 1400, excuse me, 1400 likes on a post. And then the algorithm switched. And this was like early 2019, the algorithm switched. And I was honestly getting 300 likes. Yeah. And it was embarrassing because I was like, oh my God, I did not buy my followers. Right. It do have you out here looking like you bought followers, but mine is like that right now. Yes, <laughs> so I get- no, and it makes me, it drives me insane. But I've realized because I've, again, I've had the opportunity to read books. Race After Technology is a really great one that just talks about how these algorithms are going to make it more difficult to be a Black woman in the wellness space. It just is what it is. I mean, I just, it's so crazy because I vividly remember when I started to see the shift. And I will say between early 2019, so now, which is late 2020, it's only getting worse. It is. I agree. But the thing I was concerned about, okay, so I think we disagree on this. We've talked about this before. We disagree on this because I feel like most people are not going to leave Instagram to go and look at your recipe, especially if it's an in-feed post. They're not going to do that. Now, it's one thing if they're swiping up in stories. Okay, fine. They'll do that. But I don't see people going to the link in the bio to go get the recipe, the average person. So my concern is of me putting everything there is I want to make sure that the information is there and make it as easy as possible for people to do it because I know the average person isn't going to do that. So what are some of the feedback that you're getting? Because I'm sure, you, like you said, you've gotten some backlash. What are people saying about that? I mean, they're just requesting that I make it a bit easier or they're like, oh, sometimes the link don't go direct or oh, some, sometimes I have to scroll through your blog. But again, I want y'all to... I want y'all to know that that is what the all like again. I'm I don't want to get on my my soapbox, but social media apps want you to participate in that way. They want you to become so dependent and invested on their one singular feed that you are kind of apprehensive to spend the extra time scrolling on your favorite food bloggers' independently owned site. Mm-hmm. Because essentially, you're still going to my to my blog to scroll. It's still a scrolling method. You're still looking at pictures of food until you see the recipe you would like. But mm-hmm. because you have to take that extra step to leave these social media apps that pay millions of dollars to have a very trained and well-running algorithm that knows exactly what you like so that you can spend five hours All on the app. Yeah. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? So I totally hear what you're saying. And I really do. I really do get that. And that's why sometimes the most I will do is really create threads on Twitter. That's what I've been starting to do. And that's why I've been trying to tell people on Instagram. If you have a Twitter, just follow me there because Twitter makes it a little bit easier to share shareable links right into a caption. But I've created threads on Twitter. So if you don't want to go directly to my blog, the least you can do is save the thread and then you'll still be able to directly interact with my platform when you are time when you're ready to engage with the recipe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I get it. I just it's just it's so scary. You know, I feel like we because people want like this fast food type of social media experience that we just lose so much by people not joining email lists and not um, reading blogs. We just because you just get a little bit of a taste of what the possibility is as far as you transitioning. Like you can get so much more if you actually went to go read a blog. Like I was on your blog all day yesterday. <laughs> I'm reading things, looking at recipes, getting ready for this conversation. And I just feel like, like you said, it's like a lost art in so many ways. When I first started this thing, everybody was blogging and now everybody's on social media and blogging is kind of 
it's just a secondary thought. I and feel it like it's sad. I think it's really because though I really I think a writer. <laughs> yes, and I think that's why I think it's because I'm a writer. But no, man, I really miss like going to people's blogs and like seeing the way they did their backdrop and like think. And back in the day, like people would blog every day. It would be almost like an <laughs> online journal. Like isn't that like, crazy? Yeah. When you think about it, that was like crazy because it was it's so much effort. That's and why I'm like, about it, really in these streets, like really working. <laughs> no, but if you think about it, it is just been replaced by Twitter threads or Instagram captions. What but they, do, it's not the same though. You think it's the same, Brie? Because I don't feel like I it's, think, it's, it's I think the I think the effort is the same. I think if you're gonna sit here and write about how you're feeling in 240 characters, if you had if you had the option to write a thousand, you might you might take that up. And that's mm-hmm. why sometimes, like, I don't know, I mean, I'll be 100% honest, even I have my days, when I be scrolling on Instagram, I'll be dead tired, but I'll just be trying to enter, see, this is me on this social media hamster wheel, I am tired, but I am scrolling on Instagram to show the app that I am interacting with the people that I follow, so that they can show people my like stuff. show me, I know, it's crazy. But no, because honestly, I'll be scrolling sometimes on Instagram and I'll be tired, I'd be like, ain't nobody reading all that. It may be long captions. And then I think about it. Well, that's really what someone's blog post used to look like back in the day. And I say back in the day like it's a long time ago, but it wasn't. But still, like, you know, it's just it's just so interesting to see how fast technology moves. Mm-hmm. So what else? Do, OK, as far as this topic, wrapping this up, what do you suggest for people who are following who want to support people? I already know the answer and I'm sure that the, the listeners probably picked up on that as well. But any last minute or final thoughts you have for people who want to support creators that they enjoy for free? Yes. What do you suggest they do besides getting on their email list and going to their website? I guess that's the main things, right? Great question. <laughs> yes, no, definitely. But then if we're going to talk about what's in the space of Instagram, right? Again, we know that we are working against a racist algorithm. And if you want to support the Black women on your feed, what you have to do is share their posts and save their posts. When I tell you, I will have, because I look at my insights from time to time, particularly when I have and that's the crazy thing too. When you have a sponsored post on Instagram, Instagram they knows that it's sponsored. Yes, they, they suppress, suppress it. it. You know why yes. they don't? Let me tell you, oh, Bree, I got to cut you off and say this is, is nuts. No, so yeah. I did a post on Insta Story a while ago and it was not an ad. I used hashtag ad, but it was not an ad. And I said, one thing about me is that if I see an ad, I will like swipe up, save all of that. I'm doing all of the things. Even mm-hmm. if I don't know you, I'm doing it. All right. Because I know how important that is. And Instagram kept on like pestering me. They're like, listen, if this is sponsor, you need to tell us. You put ad hashtag. And I'm like, what? This is not an ad. What are you talking about? Because they suppress an ad. Like if it's an ad yep. and they're not getting any money from this ad, they're like, oh, no, no, no. Mm-hmm. You'll get so a post before you'll have like a thousand likes. Mm, and then speak you on it. Up, like 50. Speak <laughs> on it. And then be like, dad, y'all really making me look like I buy my followers. Right. I'm sorry. I'm work with me again. This yes. is not interesting. <laughs> yes. No, for real. I Exactly. So again, I'm just using this as an opportunity to kind of educate people who aren't necessarily like so in tune to like what, we think about as people who are creating content on the internet. But yes, no, on, if you're going, honestly, subscribe to the email list. Also, I'll, I cannot tell you, when I do the little polls, like, oh, how did you hear about me? Or when I do the little question box on Instagram, like, how did you find my page? So many people say, my homegirl, my friend, my coworker. And that really touches my heart. Because yeah. it also goes back to just share stuff that you like in your group chat. Share stuff that you like with your aunties. Like, you'd be surprised how much people don't 
I don't know. I think they'll think that because they follow someone and they really like them that everyone else knows about them. And that is not the case, y'all. So if you really do enjoy somebody's work, just tell somebody. And it really does go a long way. So those would be kind of like my insights besides like making sure if you're going to be operating Instagram. So please make sure that you share like at least. Yeah. Or save. Yeah. Save is pre- preferable. But if not, just please share their post on your story. It really makes an, an astronomical difference. Absolutely. I love that. Before we wrap up, tell us how we can follow you on Instagram. And also, of course, tell us your website, because that's where we really need to be. Okay. And tell us also how we can get your... Tra- we didn't really talk about your transitioning guide as far as transitioning to plant-based, but I think that that's a, a wonderful resource. So definitely tell us how we can purchase that as well. Okay. So, well, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter, honestly, across all social media platforms. I my New Year's resolution is to be on Facebook more. So I'm going to need y'all to hold me accountable. But y'all, oh, why? <laughs> <laughs> but plant-based Brie across all social media platforms. And that's Brie as B-R-E. And then my blog, yes, plantbasedbrie.com for anything food and wellness related. And then whereshebegins.com for anything lifestyle and wellness created. Those are like my homes. So basically like where I share what I'm, what I'm, doing in terms of my research. I share all of my recipes. I share skincare updates, all types of things over there. And also on there, you'll be able to join my mailing list, which is super important, especially in the new year, because I'm working on a lot of new, exciting projects that I definitely want people to be in touch with. And I know that it's really hard to keep up with people on Instagram. So again, the website is plantbasedfree.com. And then on that site, you'll be able to join my mailing list. And in terms of what I've been working on or what I have available for y'all. It's I have a plant-based transitioning guide, which is essentially what I made after getting honestly like hundreds of DMs and, and really having basically one-on-one consultations with people in my DMs about how to transition to being plant-based. And I took the time and I did the research and I created some recipes that I think that are very simple, very, you know, plant forward but not plant overwhelming a lot of plants that people are familiar with it's just like a really great resource and then so go to plantbasedbrie.com and in the little widget it'll say shop or you can go to whereshebegins.com slash shop and it'll pull it up but i will say that my transitioning guide because i'm somebody i don't know about y'all but i love a bundle deal so you can buy my plant-based transitioning guide in the in independently like on its own or you can buy it in a bundle where you'll get that and two other two of my other guides which are recipe guides for like barbecues and cookouts and recipe guides for like holidays so like things like super potato casserole collard greens dressing all that stuff and you can get them in a bundle and you'll save money instead of having to buy all three individually but yes just go to where she slash shop for all of that all of those details awesome hey so Bree, tell me why you thinking about going back to facebook you got to tell me about that because that is the last thing on my mind. So honestly, I'm thinking about going back to Facebook because I've noticed my demographics are not where I would like them to be. And because I really want to have a community and I want my resources to be available for people, regardless of their age group, I'm very open to using Facebook. Believe it or not, my age group in terms of like who, like when it comes to my analytics, is still very much everyone under 35. And I think that's great, but I think plant-based eating is for everyone. And I think that I make content and recipes that would be great for anyone. And I feel like 
believe it or not, the the largest platform to tap into those other age demographics is Facebook. So, so with some help of a, a, a prayfully an intern that I'm that I'm getting in, in the winter. Well, I say winter, but in in January, I'll be able to kind of put more of my content and really stay up to date with my Facebook page, just kind of answering questions. Because believe it or not, Instagram, I mean, excuse me, Facebook is where I get the most like personal related questions. So and so I know was diagnosed with this and I really want to know like how I can support them in eating more plants. And Mm -hmm. I think those questions are so important, but I'm a one person show right now and I don't have the time, unfortunately, to like get back to everyone. So I just know that like Facebook, there is a need there. So I'm going to try to at least bring some of my content from Instagram to Facebook. Oh, okay. Sounds good. Well, it was such a pleasure. Like I knew it would be to have you on the show. Thank you so much for your time. And we look forward to connecting with you on Instagram and off going forward. Yes. Thank you so much. (laughs) It was such a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for sharing your platform, for sharing your space. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the podcast. All of the show notes will be at brownvegan.com. So check those out. Also, let me know what you thought of this episode. Come hang out with me on Instagram. My handle over there is at brownvegan. Have a great day and I will talk to you next week. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.